Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by IronCompany.com. Today, we're talking about mental flow and glow. How can we recalibrate the mind um, to up our performance in the gym and regular life? This is something these guys have a lot of uh, experience with, uh, being involved with um, world champion athletes and uh, tier one spec ops and, you know, being lifters and, and um, you know, uh, accomplished athletes and bodybuilders themselves. So this is something that they know a lot about. So let's talk about it. And the mind is very, a, a very important part of the puzzle when we're, you know, going to 102% effort and doing all that to try to change the body to get it to grow muscle, to get it to become stronger. It ain't easy. Your mind's got to be in it. So let's talk about how we can kind of recalibrate things for uh, consistent improvement over time. Mm-hmm. So, guys, you there? Yeah, here, here. Marty. Good. Welcome to the Not show. Give me a Give me a I was just thinking how of all, all the great athletes I've known or great lifters, um, they may not have been the most educated guys in the world, but they were brilliant with the mental aspect. You know, they were geniuses with the mental aspect of, of what they were, you know, the activity that they were doing. How so, how, so, how so? Well, you know, first of all, it's very, it's, you get to a certain point where everybody's sort of even, right? Like what separates, you know, an NFL player. And I think that the people who separate themselves are the ones that, start searching out the mental means to get better. You know, that's the added, that's the, you could, they can get to a certain point without using that kind of stuff, just on great athletic ability and all that. But when everybody's good as hell, it's, right. it's the great ones who, who delve into the mental aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that in business as well. Mm. I agree, yeah. And you're like, wow, they really, you know, they think about everything. You know, they have mm-hmm. everything covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's, you know, if it's your your passion, your occupation, your life, your whatever, you're going to, you know, at some point you've got to get into the, uh, the, the whole psychological aspect of what it is you're doing. And essentially what we're trying to do is improve the quality of the training session, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I was just sitting here thinking, Marty said how you have to be so dedicated in it when I was competing or if I'm if I'm doing something if I'm competing a show or a meet or whatever I thought about it all day long so even when I was coaching I would be stretching like my quad and thinking about how my warm-ups would feel I mean you know when I wanted to squat 800 it was a lifetime goal to squat 800 I was going to squat 800 but I didn't want to and I knew I was going to do it because I wasn't going to leave anything to chance well, and you thought about it all week. If it was oh, whatever. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you obsess about it. And that's yeah. the thing that people don't understand is that what? So that's yeah, true passion. That's and just, I'll be laying in the bed. Think about your week. training session. I mean, think about that, that yeah. you're so obsessed with something that you right. think about your upcoming training session. And you have it all pictured out in your mind. Yeah. And you just play it through in your mind. And you just, oh, man, you're just great. You just manhandle it, right? Yeah. And well, well. What is? Yeah, get an headline. You know, I I reread every Powerlifting USA article. You know, all that stuff where it's just like, what am I? You know, we can't, we can't. We have to turn over every stone. You have to turn over every stone when you get want to get to one of those goals. 
well, you have to go at some point, you have to go outside the box. Right. Right. Now, if you just train comes in, right? Well, if you just, and uh, you know, if you like strength, oh, I'm a strength guy. Okay, well, fine. Well, you, you utilize every known strength strategy known to mankind. Great. And you master them. At that point, all you're doing is just rearranging the contents of the box. Mm-hmm. You have to go outside, like to nutrition. Oh, right. can nutrition make you a better strength athlete? Damn right it can, depending what your goal is. Oh, what else? Oh, how about how about a little cardio? Why don't we get your fat ass into a little shape so you'll be able to train a little harder, a little longer, right? Probably, yeah. Oh, here's an idea. Maybe you shouldn't be so damn lackadaisical in your training sessions. Yeah. Okay, well you know, you know, that you know, this this is the way we talk to these guys and this is the way we deal with these guys. And this is just like man up, you know, we always talk about, we always talk about if you have real psych, if you have the proper psych going on and, you know, some guys have some really intense psych that that gives them goosebumps and puts them in a different state of mind and all that. And we, we say, well, Marty says that, you know, that can add, you know, 5% to your performance, you know, good, a good true psych. Is there a way to put a number on that as far as the right uh, mental, um, you know, recalibration or just having your mind totally dialed in when you get into the gym for your workout or you go to the meet or whatever, having that state of mind that's honed over years and years of of doing the same thing. Well, Um, let, let me, let me ask this. Marty's in the same vein. Did you feel like if all week you thought about it and if it was so important to you, by the time you got to the meet, it was almost like you were on a perpetual buzzing, not a psych where you overshot, you know, and burned out your adrenals, but where no. you, where you, where it wasn't as hard to get psyched up because it was so important. Because you, you lived it. You, yeah. You yeah. actualized it. You blurred the, the division between uh, reality and, <laughs> the dream state, right? And when you get there, it's like a done deal, man. Yeah, it's like, and then you can you can handle any anything. I remember I, I had that goal of squatting 600 with just a singlet on in a in a USPF meet, and on my I was going to do it on the second attempt, I think. But anyway, I took the first attempt. I was like 565 or something, and it felt unbalanced, you know. And when I took it off, and they were like, "Yep, that's your attempt." Cause I started walking back with it and they were right. So, but now I had, you know, I had planned all that out for months and months, 565, 600 on my second. If something goes wrong, hit it on my third or go, you know, or pass it. Cause once I get my goal, that's it. And, but I was, since I had gone over in my head, everything that could go wrong, then that wasn't any big deal to me. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, I screwed up. That's okay. I'm ready to still stay with the plan. Yeah, you know, this is uh, the master chief's c- contingency plan. So, so Jim, I wonder if that was good for an extra 5% performance. I mean, I don't know if there's, a, I don't think there's a way to put a number on it, but I'm just yeah. trying to get an idea. Mm-hmm. How oh yeah, no, no, you're right. And I've sort of missed the, the 5% part, but I think it depends on the individual too. Yeah. Um, and again, well, 5%, 5% now wait, don't get too carried away with that because that's a real high end. I mean, yeah, so, you're, so you're good. Well, let me just finish. Let me just say, ahead, if, if you, you know, if, if, if you're a thousand pound guy, right. And you put on 2%, right. Yeah. That's that 2% is great. 
5%, that's like the outer limit stuff. And particularly if you're talking over a 12 to 16 week cycle, you know, we don't want to get into you know, sci-fi. This is just realistic stuff. Yeah, yeah. That is also assuming that you're, you're willing to, you know, sync it up with uh, some sort of a weight strategy and nutritional strategy the, the brain train thing, if I can swing back to that, because we were very systematized in that and that, what we were talking about is that that heavy visualization of the training session. Let's say we had a major training session on Saturday where we were going to squat, bench, and dead. I don't know, at Cassidy's or at Pex or at Chalet's or wherever we were at. And uh, so it's a big deal. And you think about it all week. Well, we were taught that. I was taught that in 1965 in John McCollum articles on Soviet visualization, auto-suggestion, auto formalized technique. So, you know, I was introduced to that then. And here's a guy telling me, oh, no, please do dream and try to dream even more vividly about your upcoming conquest and use you know, language like that, which get a, gets a 15-year-old kid started Now, now Marty, that was before we knew the Russians were doing it, right? No, but, I mean, he was telling us that was where I was introduced to it. He said, this is Soviet okay. auto-suggestion technique. When did and, they start that? Well, uh, they, started, they started it 10 years before that. Well, yeah. but, but the story has an interesting conclusion. If you Let me just guide you through it. So auto-suggestion, then what we, what we discovered is that... Now, the Soviets would take auto-suggestion right up onto the platform. As power lifters, we didn't do that. Our sport was a little bit different. We are more like, whereas an Olympic lifter is almost like, I don't know, like a Trans-Am, Can-Am kind of vehicle over a road race course. A, a power lifter is like a dragster, <laughs> right? Quarter mile straight ahead, boom, you know, 2,000 horsepower engines. As hard as you can and out of gas. Oh, yeah. And so, but that that allows for the in really, really extreme psych. Yes. Right. Olympic lifting doesn't, because it's complex, it yeah. doesn't really lend yeah. itself to that. you kind of got to be thinking, thinking, thinking right up to the, right up to the instant that you do it. But with powerlifting, so you use the auto-suggestion. Uh, we would use it particularly on the car ride to the gym. Right. You're really honing in on the car ride to the gym, but you have to be cool. And we have something we would call Zen chill. So after auto suggestion, you had to be careful because you could excite yourself to this point that you, your adrenaline started coursing. Like right now, as I'm talking, my adrenaline is starting to course a little bit. Right, Jim? Yeah. And yeah, and you'll, you'll, by the time you get to the workout, but you, yeah, so, so you have to go into what we call the Zen chill state. Yeah. Now that you use in, during your warm ups, you know, hey, how's it you doing? Put your music on, but your music got to be mellow. Like also in your car ride over, your music has to be, you can't put on the, you know, the thrash or the hardcore stuff. You have to put on really like mellow, uh, you know, keep yourself. Uh, allows for vivid dreaming because that's what you want to do in the auto visualization stage. But in the chill stage, you don't want to, you just want to be completely okay. This is the preamble. Now it's when it's time to go, 
which is really, that happens when you hit the chalk box. When you chalk your hands, either for a squat or a deadlift or bench press, it's go time. And at that point, you kick the nitrous oxide in and you slam the accelerator to the floor and you get mentally as aroused as you care to, as long as it's authentic. It needs to be a realistic expression of a, a genuine internal feeling, right? But over time, you learn to, to really let go of rage and really let go. And if you're able to really harness that, oh, man, that's magnificent. Because uh, you can will your body to do more than it's capable of. Yes. Marty, let me ask you. So, all right, say you're going to work out today. So you're headed over to the gym. When does your auto visualization really start? I mean, we just talked about kind of doing it throughout the week, but yeah. where do you really start? Is it in the car? Is it that morning? Well, if you're a big, it depends your level of competition. If you're competing like Jim is doing, then he has to kind of have it amped on all the time. And he has to have it amped on in different areas. He can't be just uh, visualizing his lifting. He's got to be visualizing his presentation, how he's going to look on yeah. stage, the whole thing. Uh, so it's a much broader, but again, it is still auto-visualization. We would use the Zen Chill both before the all-out effort and immediately after, right, Jimmy? Yeah. Because, because, because you've got to do it again within the workout, right? Yeah, and, and I was just, Yes, you're right. And I was just thinking because uh, I was thinking how I would feel walking, walking into the gym and Marty, and it was already done. Yeah. I had already walked in that gym. That's yeah. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to you know, tell you how, what that feeling is. And you know it, JP, uh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. but Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, it's what, yeah. Yo what Yogi Berra called deja vu all over again, all over again. That's right. <laughs> That's, it. That's what it is, man. So then the visualization stops at the chalk box, is that yeah. right? And then well, psych. Yeah, yeah but, but, the, on. The, but you got, yes, yes, yes. yes exactly, yes. JP. Exactly, JP. Yep, yep. Exactly. Blind rage. Blind rage. Um, right. Yeah, but, but still uh, control, right? I mean, it can't just be. You know, I mean, you don't want to hurt if, yourself. If you're too, if you're too wound up, your technique goes to hell, and you get hurt. Right. I mean, experienced lifters, I'm saying. You still have to stay, well, man, I've seen some guys that were frothing at the mouth. <laughs> I've seen much. some guys getting whacked in the head. Yeah, no, I think it's more internal thing is better. <laughs> internal. You know. Uh, You've seen and, it all, Marty. Oh, my God. The psych thing, the power lifters <laughs> took psych to an art. I mean, yeah. face, face slapping was common. Just, okay, the last thing before a guy goes out for a lift is you have a, a massive training partner smash your face with his hand so hard at these prints on the side of your face, and that gets you fired up. Yeah. And then you go out and you do your deadlift for the win at the world championship or whatever, and it's just like, you know, again, these guys took it to extremes. There's something to it. I don't think we need to crack each other in the head with two by fours. I like know. that slap on the back, man. And that, yeah, that yeah, irritates yeah. you enough, irritates you enough to want to punch the guy, but you take it out there. You know what I mean? You just feel that. Oh, Jim, with, Jim, with you, we need to massage your earlobes. Well, that's what Wags did. I told you that story, man. Tell us again. Well, I'm, I was a meet in Laurel, in Laurel, Maryland, and I, I, you know, I brought Wags down to handle me and all that stuff. This is Robert Wagner, Rob Wagner, yeah. PH, Rob Wagner. PH, PhD, 
world level lifter, 800 yeah. squatter, 198. Right. And he was boss at Penn when I first got there. So he came down with me and, you know, he, he just got back from the Ukraine or Kazakhstan or something. And, <laughs> you know, I'm getting ready to go out for my attempt, you know, I'm all wrapped up and everything. And I, I feel this rubbing on my sight, ear. This like sight, 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 sight that of your mind, right? Yeah. And he's rubbing on my earlobe. I said, dude, what are you doing, man? And he's like, oh, no, it, it irritates you. So it's going to make you stronger. You know, it fired you up. I got it from the license or whatever. It's the latest from Kazakhstan. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I was like, you could have warned me. You should have told me. You're like, get, get away. Like these flies are buzzing around you. Like, but did away. it work? Did it piss nah, you right I off? Mean, yeah. you know, I think I said, I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I'm my good. big thing is don't add anything you haven't been doing during training. Benny yeah. went out, Benny went out, Benny went out and missed the lift. Like, don't touch my ears. <laughs> yeah, he always had something, man. It was good working for him because he had so much stuff he would bring back from Eastern uh, Europe. Yeah. So, but again, the point being is that you have to, in training, in order to attain a quality training experience, you have to have multiple uh, top top set efforts. Mm. Right, you just don't walk in and do right. one. You know, you know, you got a squat, you got to work up to. You know, if you're doing whatever you're doing, whatever's on the menu, you're going to work up to a an all-out effort of some expression of it, and that's when you, you you have to have that psych ready to go again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, your dad was into like the auto suggestion and and all that, right? He was he a psychologist or something? Or? Right. He was a professor, a PhD, at University of Maryland, and he the class that he taught was sports psychology. Yeah. So, yeah. We were always having that. I told that story uh, one of these times where I was playing for little league football, 80 pound football. And I'd be lying in my bed on a Friday night. We play on Saturday mornings and he'd say, all right, move over. And then he'd say, uh, all right, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to picture how the grass feels when you're in your three point stance on your fingertips. How's that grass feel? You feel the dirt. You know, you're pushing through. You see that guy across from you. I mean, he would go through all this stuff. In the, sm in the smell. Yeah, in yeah the and everything smell. smells. Yeah, and picture us driving to the field. The whole thing. It was really cool. That is really awesome, man. Yeah. Your dad come in and just, you know, spend that time with you and, yeah. you know, relay that information, those teachings on to you and get you ready for the, the game the next day. That's yeah. awesome. And, and he turned Jim into a Stepford son, a mind-numbed <laughs> robot. That's uh, just a robot. That's right. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, it was good because he was, he was huge into visualization, man. That was a big thing. Yeah. yeah. And how did he, well, how did he use it in life? I mean, he wasn't a weightlifter, was he? No, he was, so he was, he's in the hall of fame in college, uh, for football, basketball, and baseball. And then okay. he took up tennis, badminton and basketball and stepped, stayed with the basketball for man until he was in his sixties. So he was playing every single day at noontime. And he went in the weight room and stuff, but his, he was, see, there's two, I'm not, I'll get off on a whole big tangent here, but anyway, you know, he, he still competed and stuff. Yeah. My, my heaviest, I got to admit, my heaviest visualization has been before badminton practice. What? Um, you know, just really swinging that, that racket and, uh, you know, with enough force to really just, uh, you know, kill the, the other guy on the other side of the Are you net. Being serious? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> or, or fencing. Oh, oh no. no. I said badminton. Oh, okay. Fencing, fencing, you can mess somebody up. Oh, you can. Man. Yeah. Well, we'll stick with basketball then. You were saying the the not to get off the topic, but you were uh, you were teaching over there, coaching over there at Penn, and 
you said you were trying to get the the bat the um the fencing guys to start lifting weights yeah so I, and they didn't want to <laughs> they didn't want to but you know what a couple of them stuck to it <laughs> but you know with teams like that we would i'd start off with kickboxing and say okay we're going to do these little things called squats yeah and then the kickboxing will be at the end for five minutes and we'd lift for for 55 well, their, their, their thing is that they feel that it will uh, compromise their agility and their foot speed. Right. They didn't want to get all tightened up and muscle-bound. Yeah. That's like saying, you know, I always As say. As you probably would have done to them. Don't want to get your license because you don't want to be a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Come on, we're going to get those squats up to 500 pounds so you can be the, the, the best fencer in the world. Did you have a relationship with a fencer or something? Because you have this uh... – no, I just remember that story that you were telling. I thought it was real funny. Like you, yeah, you yeah. were trying to convince the fencing team to start oh, lifting weights. Wow. All right, all right. So yeah. speaking of speaking of fencing, this is uh, synchronicitous. Uh, so I got to interview several times later in life. I became a big big writer for Muscle and Fitness the training editor and my editor, my boss was Bob Wolf, who was a great editor, let me do anything. So I, I found out that Alador Koglor, who is the inventor of Soviet auto-suggestion, was now at Columbia University uh, teaching their fencing team. So I got to interview him and he sent me a copy of his book, Clearing the Path to Victory. So I happened to be talking to the master chief and he's very, very big. This is a tier one guy that we, we know. And he's very big into the whole mental, mental aspect of soldiery and athletics and all of that. And, you know, and um, I mentioned to him that, you know, not only had I interviewed Kobler several times, but I had his book and he went, what? He goes, you have clearing the path to victory. He said, dude, that book is worth $2,000 on the, what, you know, on the internet, and I said, what? <laughs> now, this is this old beat-up book, you know, with paperback. Yeah. But, you know, what, I tell you what it did is it caused me to reread it. Yeah. Because I'm like, what, a $2,000 book? Let me read this thing again. It must be better than I thought. So, but it's interesting because uh, um, it basically confirmed all the stuff that we do and all the... I don't know, the innovations that the lifters made that I knew. In other words, like Ed Cohn's up close and personal psych was different than Kirk Kowalski's right. up close and personal psych, was different than Doug Furness's up close and personal psych, which was different than Lamar Gant's up, you know, and I got a, and Dave Jacoby, and I got a chance. I was like Angelo Dundee or somebody. I got to see all these guys up close in competition, and you see their well, you see the best in the world psyching up for world records, Dan Austin, right? And um, it's interesting. It's There's commonalities, yeah. but there's also complete uniqueness depending upon personality type. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's you – know, I'd been around two, two great squatters, and their psych methods were exact opposites. So I've been around Kirk yeah. where he is like – a. a bubbling cauldron and then yeah. when he gets to the bar it's that yeah, yeah you know yeah. and the whole place is electric with mm -hmm. rob wagner it was all inside so the first time you know he was fired up but it was inside and i said you know he crushed 700 or something for a double and i was like dude you didn't even get fired up he said no 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 man i was fired up it was all in yeah. my head 
it's in my head. He said, well, my nostrils flare. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm fine. Let, let me ask you guys this. Can I jump in on that just for a second? Yeah, and then let me ask you something about that. Well, okay, but my thought is that Kirk was extremely demonstrative. Right. And he drew off energy. Right. Wagner could be lifting in a darkened basement. No question. That's I don't think I don't think he'd even sees the crowd. He doesn't and could care yeah. and thinks nobody cares. And he that's that attitude. And he's just like a, a robot that goes in there and he's like, yeah. This is just for me, and I'm you know, I'm doing it. Oh. I had to tell him after he won the the nationals one year. Hey, man, call your parents, man. They're, they're waiting. You know, he's like, ah, they don't care. I'm like, yeah, they yeah. do. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. totally different. Totally yeah. opposite. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hey, can, a, can an athlete's psych, uh, does it usually align with their regular personality? Seems or, like it. Seems you know, like or can it be polar opposite? Do you ever see that? Or somebody who's a real quiet, shy guy. Just quiet guy, cool. introvert, and then just goes wild on the platform. I don't know, Marty, have you? No, not really. So it usually aligns with their normal personality. I, I, I think it should, right? Don't you? Otherwise, it's. Um... I don't. It depends on your your mentality. It just depends on you know what what you have deep inside when you step on that platform. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine there's people that have that just polar opposite. They're introverts, quiet normally, and then they just go wild. No, but that doesn't mean that they're introverts in the inside. I think exactly. I think on the outside, I think people are some people are introverts, but because they're shy and all that, and I think yeah, they get on the platform well, or in the gym, well, and it's yeah, their excuse now well, to let no, that it's out. More, it's more than that. When in life are you told that it is beneficial to go ape blank crazy, and it will be helpful? And it's right. like, oh, okay. Now, if you want to go WWE, you're not going to get as much out of it. Okay, it'll be fun. You'll have fun. You know, the crowd will love it. You know, you know. But it's not the real deal. The real deal is Rob Wagner doing it, and he he doesn't see anybody. I mean, like I said, he might as well be in a darkened basement because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's very deep, very personal. I got I got that same feeling from Dorian Yates. Yes. Dorian didn't, he, he seemed to be like, ah, oh, man, let me out of this nut house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, got that. Competition. Did he, I bet he didn't even like the competition. He would like to train him more, didn't he? More. He, he was very keep to himselfish. He yeah. had his little posse. He had him and he had Leroy. He had, he had his wife. He had uh, Bev and uh, what was Bev's big husband's name? I can't remember. Steve, Steve, Steve right. And that was pretty much it. And they just cruised around and everyone else was like, yeah, okay, get out of the way. Here comes the king. Jim, I'll bet you're right on that too. I feel the same way. I bet he loved the training. I mean, he just loved busting ass and going, he taking it to the limit every time. But, yeah. well, he you know, him. it's, he, he it's like him. musicians, right? I mean, some of these guys love to just record and play in the studio and play – but some guys have an issue with going out there on, on stage in front of all these people and touring. Right, I Marty? It, I think it's called stage fright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They even have it. They even have it's so It's so widespread. They have a cliche for it. Stage fright. Uh, and other guys, you know, and everybody else it kind of falls in the middle, but whatever your personality is, is in the, in a top set, for an average person, you can create a genuine internal mental 
hurricane and you don't have to act out. Right. Where are you guys? Okay. So you guys are not, well, Jim, you're competing still in bodybuilding, but not powerlifting. So do you guys still utilize auto suggestion in your regular life? And if so, how, what, what are you using? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. When I do my workouts. Yes. So I always, when okay, I have so, right. I work on a 10 and if I'm sitting around drinking coffee at 6am, I'm, or riding the bike, I'm thinking, okay, first set, I'm going to do this. Second set, I'm going to do that. Here's all my, the tempo I'm going to use. Um, here's the exercises that I can pick from. Yeah, the stuff like that. Well, I think you can you use it in, like, relationships, you know. You do something that, that you, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're... Or you could have a meeting and picture the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think so. Like, uh, you know, in, in business, you know, you could visualize a meeting that you're going to have, like, like you said, and uh, just kind of see that all the way through. So I think there's a, not just in the gym, you can use this, I think you can use it in, in different parts of just regular life, too. Sure, for sure. Marty? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I try not to think of what I'm going to do until I walk through the end of the gym. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of my life, it's like I'm allowed, you know, I don't think it's a good strategy for. But Marty, you, you wake up every day at what time? Whenever I, whenever I want. Okay. But you're up early. I mean, you're up at like four or five o'clock and you, and you've told me before, I mean, you've been writing for a long time and you're not burned out. You tell me, you know what? I wake up early. I get fired up. Do you visualize the night before what you're going to do? for the next day and just kind of run through it in your mind, like something you're writing on, you're, you're writing and. No. So you don't do that. You're just, just spontaneous. You get up and. Try to be. Well, yeah, but you're, uh, you know, I have issues with Hemingway. Jim and I have a difference. Jim, Jim is, uh, Jim was in love with Hemingway. I had issues with him and his wife beating. So, uh, but Hemingway had a great, um, he had a great motto that I live by. He said, always leave your writing where you know what's going to happen next. Yes, yes. Hmm. You know, I'm like, okay. So it makes it, and I can't always do it, but it makes it easier to pick it up uh, the next day. But I try not to think about stuff ahead of time because I find that it wears it out. I, I particularly like to be fresh. Yeah. But I do like to roll from one creative thing to another. Um, but I don't uh, now again. But I'm not. I'm not competing. I'm not. I'm not competing for at the nationals or the worlds or even a you know a regional or anything important. If I were, yeah, I would for sure be thinking about it. I really would. I'd be running it through in my brain. Okay, here's how I'm going to crush. You know. And, yeah. And I'd be picture, I- and I'd be picturing myself handling the projected weights I was hoping to handle, you know, and if somebody could beat me and I had a great competition, I'd be fine with it, you know, um, on one hand, but on the other hand, that's, yeah, no, I would definitely be using visualization, but again, you got to be careful not to get so carried away with it that you, you shoot your psychological wad and, and it just becomes, um, it's not a productive, uh, it has to be used sparingly, right. hope, hopefully in preparation to a real workout. So you're actually turning well, mental you still, thought into actual doing. 
So you're still working out. You work out in your home gym. You still you still using that technique in your current workouts? No. I just I just walk into the gym and, and today I decided I was gonna bench press. Mm-hmm. So, and then I said, well, what do I want to do? I do different. And I just gave a hundred and I did uh, bench. I did uh, wide grip pause benches, uh, four sets of four after right. the static set worked up and I did lat pull downs and I did uh, leg raises, one, two, three. And then I did curls and triceps. The whole thing took 25 minutes, but I also could have done squats. If I walked in and this been, been set up for squats, I could have said, all right, let's just squat. You know, I mean, I like that freshness that comes with not too much pre-planning. But yeah. Again, but again, I'm just at my stage of my life, you know. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you've done periodization for yeah. so long. And now oh, it's yeah. kind of a treat to go in and go, you know what? I think I'm going to do this today. Yeah. yeah. And there's going to do that. And I don't have any, I'm not staring down the gun barrel of, oh, I've got the, whatever, the nationals in eight weeks. Yeah. It's like being free. You know, yes. I just go no, in I, and it, I there's am. more <laughs> joy in it. Yes, truly. You know, you know exactly, why. exactly, and I have quality workouts. And but I tell you what, I get the afterglow. Yes, you do. Right. The uh, let me ask you this question, Marty. Do you think it's possible to get into a flow state, like when you're playing the piano or when you're writing, yep. Yep. in powerlifting, which is a yeah. short burst activity, oh, yeah. versus something like, you know, like a more of an endurance thing or more of a no, 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 no activity. Mm-hmm. No, the, the whole, to me, the, actually the quickest way to get into, we call it the glow state or other people call it the flow state, whatever. Uh, but we, 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 we can artificially get into it through the use of heavy exercise. But what we've determined is that, that the exercise has to be intense enough yeah. that it triggers this hormonal tsunami right and it it starts with adrenaline kicks it off and then you've got the endorphins and you know the serotonin all all of these uh, yeah it all starts flooding into the system but it's own it you'll never experience it floating around at 75 to 85 percent of effort you have to get into that 95 to 102 percent that's if it's not that intense it, there's, it doesn't, it's not stimulating. It but can you it trigger, trigger it? I think no. what Jim is saying is, can you trigger it with that single set or whatever of 102% effort? Is of that course. enough? Yes. No, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so you can, you, you, you can prove it right now. If you have um, a pair of 45 pound dumbbells, go, I out do. And, go out and wrap them out. I'll be right back. Go ahead. And we won't, we won't <laughs> miss you. I leave. I'm getting something to eat. <laughs> now we lift the weights. Now we can say what we really want to, Jim. That's it, baby. <laughs> well, you know, Marty, we talked about that, and, we, and JP, we talked about this last uh, few weeks ago about that was our form of meditation. Yes. You know, that's, that's where it doesn't take – we don't have to go sit in the corner and do the lotus, which is fine. No. But we – and we put a name to it now because I remember I told you, Marty, you had to give me permission – to not go meditate because you're like, Jimmy, you're doing it already. Yeah, you're already getting it. In the weight room. You just didn't, you don't recognize it as exactly. such. Yeah. So, so you're, it's synonymous with you with the flowing of that, the flow state. It's the same kind of feeling you get with the glow and the meditation. And it, ha- it only is the result of a, being presented, the body is presented with an effort so intense, so intense, so profound, 
so Herculean that body and mind are forced to act together, right? Yeah, that's the only way. That's the only way you're going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can't be multitasking. You can't be preoccupied. You can't be thinking about how the Redskins are going to do or what you're going to eat, and and doing all out top set. Right. It's, you can't. I'm. Mean, I'm sorry. You can't. So you have to. You have to focus. You have to give 110 percent to what it is you're doing. And if you rep it out with all you have, and then maybe a little something extra, the it's automatic. You 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 have this hormonal reaction, and athletes didn't recognize it, but it is an advanced meditational state. It's a wordless, mindless, but it's electrified. It's not it's not sleepy. It's not like oh I'm I'm drowsy. No, it's 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 your completely your that spider senses right you're hyper alert yeah and to me too after you know after the the hormonal tsunami and the glow state and all that after if you hit your lift the sense of accomplishment oh, yeah. that you feel is just like the cherry on top you're like yes i yes, hit it yes it feels yes, so good yes yes it all comes together right yeah and, and, and you're just sitting there and you're glowing and I tell you, for most guys, that's when they are at their best. Yes. You're you know, and that runner's high and everything combined, uh, it gives you such a positive outlook on life. You're sitting there thinking, you know, these little problems I have, they're just little problems. They get better. You notice that? It's kind of like an antidepressant, and it just makes well, you feel is. good from all different – yeah, it makes you feel better about a lot of different things. It is. The intense exercise is the best natural stress reliever known to man. Right. It's the perfect, Marty said it, it's a hormonal uh, tsunami. That's yeah. it. You know? but, and the run, you talk about the runner side, the runners are running around at 85%, and after they've been doing it for 72 minutes, here it comes. Well, I can make, I can, <laughs> right. I yeah. can, I can make it happen within 10 minutes of walking into my garage. I can make right. it happen within five minutes of walking out of my deck. That's a good point. If I pick up a pair of 50s, yeah cold a yeah. pair of 50s and i rep those things out and man i am struggling and i'll sit there and maybe i'll have a couple of breaths and do another one with a little extra back bend and i'll put those down and come in and i'm a completely different guy <laughs> whatever i was thinking before that set i'm not thinking that now you know what i think about that i think that what we what lifters do is something that that comes to us naturally primally that feeling is a Primal. That's like an after the hunt feeling that we've had for forever. But the right. endurance thing, which we're not meant to do. I mean, we're, we can walk long distances, but that, you know, all that stuff is almost like your body preparing to die. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not an adrenaline fuse that they're getting. It's not. It's not. It's different. I think it's different. Um, well, it is. It's like flogging. You know, it's like instead of shooting, you know. <laughs> what did Dorian say? He said, oh, he said, the way that I train, he says, it's like, shoot, shoot, you just shoot it through the heart one time and it's dead, Marty, it's dead. You don't have to shoot it multiple times through the heart, it's dead. And I said, oh, as he said, close up flogging it and flogging it and flogging it. We don't have to do that. I said, oh, okay. That's the reference now. <laughs> Yeah, but it's two different things. It really is. Well, There's I'm saying one set to failure. If you do Dorian's one set to failure, plus here comes Leroy giving you four straps. Yeah. Let me tell you, you're in the zone after 
one, I know. one set. Let me tell you, man, you're in altered states. But that's different than that long, slow endurance stuff. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm telling you. But, and again, I'm telling you, I can get it within five minutes. Yeah. And it's predictable. Now, it's, it's dependent upon the severity of the effort. It's dependent upon what kind of state of mind I'm in to begin with. Sometimes it's harder to break through, right? There are times when you just have to say, oh, my mind's not into it. My mind doesn't get a vote. I'm just getting started. Yeah. And Sometimes, yeah, last six weeks before a show or a meet or whatever. But there are times in your training life when that's going to be that way. And you tell yourself, I can get back into this as soon as I walk outside the door. I do not have to mull this over right now. I'm in between a set here. I have these conversations with my, myself every time I, I train. Right. Because in the times in between sets, it's like, ah, da, 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 you know, it's like, yeah. ah, da, da. And, that's, and that's when the stray thoughts sneak in. And as Shunro Suzuki once said, hey, just because a straight thought shows up doesn't mean you got to invite it in for a cup of coffee. Yeah. 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 I mean, I yelled at my eight-year-old yesterday because he was talking about a different topic when we were lifting. Yeah. It's like, what? Oh, what are you doing? On. We're here to lift. You got, you got 45 minutes. Can you not concentrate? <laughs> Bill Pearl used to say, Marty, the space between the sets is sacred. I was like, okay, Bill. <laughs> I guess there's not a lot of grab assing going on in your training. <laughs> not in that gym. Not in that gym. That's another guy who used the mind. You know, he's thinking about it. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Bill was Bill was big into that. Now he, but I swear to God, he flogged the muscle to death. Oh my God, that was another one. His sessions lasted thirty sets of ever. Yeah. Oh. Did Platts did Platts ever talk about that with his leg workouts? Man, oh, he must have had. All he talked about the visualization of it. Yeah. He feels the belt when he grabs the belt and okay. the stretches that he's going to go through. And while he's stretching, he has his eyes closed. Yeah. And uh, he would say when he got done doing, let's say, 500 for 20, yeah. rock bottom now, there was nobody oh, yeah. his depth, that he would wonder if he was going to die. Yeah. You know, like he yeah. Would, but he was so into that state that at rep 17 when or 16, when everybody would have stopped, he had that, that mental push. And then he pushed to the point of, like Marty said, where it's beyond. That's why he calls the gym a church for him, the altar of the squat. Mm. That's what he's thinking about all the time, you know? Now, again, as a bodybuilder, okay, it's a different overarching goal than a strength athlete. I think what Platts had the, the soul of a power lifter, man. Well, he did. He was originally was a power lifter and a good one before he segued into bodybuilding, which was a great base for a, body, for a bodybuilder. Is, yeah. So that was solid. But but his thing was, I can venture into the pain zone and stay there longer than anyone else. Right. Now, I, you don't have to do that in strength athletics. That's really not, that's counterproductive. Right, right. Right. So you just need to be clear on that. When you're talking Tom Platts and Tom's philosophy, you have to understand that if you're a bodybuilder and looking to, to maximally inflate the size of your muscles, then yeah. You, and Arnold said that too. What did Arnold say? Oh, if you, if you don't have the ability to venture into the pain zone, you'll never amount to anything. Yeah. How about... Um... 
How about being hypnotized? I think it was Pete Grumkowski I was talking to one time, and he was talking about <laughs> I know. They would, these guys would get hypnotized before they were going yeah. to the gym. Wow. I know Pete. I did know Pete. He was, he, was he big Pete? Did he pass Pete away? No, Pete Siegel, who was his hypnotist. I knew him. Uh, oh, but Grimkowski's still around, right? Grimkowski had heart surgery, but he's living in Ohio, um, Hawaii, and super rich, man, because he's yeah, so Yeah, I bet so. But he has some great stories, man. Oh, I don't know nothing about hypnotism. Yeah. I've, got, I've got zero experience. I've never known anybody in lifting or strength that used hypnotism. Like, How about you, Jim? I mean, well, I know any that, of that over there at Pan or anything? No, nah, not <laughs> hypnotism. So I think what Siegel was doing with, with the Barbarian Brothers, Platts, and that was big for probably like 83 to 86, something like that, was more like we're talking about. I mean, they were closing their eyes, but it was more like an auto-suggestion, auto-visualization thing. Yeah. Maybe he was saying that it was – and he, he was just and how, on affirmations. books of that. And how many forced reps can I stand? You know, I mean, you know, and that, that was the whole game. And that's the game with Tom Platts. It's like, oh, no, you can keep going. You're, and it doesn't matter where you're at, wherever you're at. You can keep going. Until he couldn't move in an inch. Uh, right, right. And, and, yeah. and, and then you fall yeah. down. And he, and he said, my heart feels like it's going to explode in my yeah. body. Or I would say that, but I can't talk. But it's, I think that was the basis behind getting hypnotized before the workout. So you could just go further into that pain zone than you, you, yeah. you could without it or something. Yeah, well, I don't know. Any of you guys well, ever been hypnotized? I think it's almost more deep thought, but it definitely, you know, you can yeah. do it. The person has to want to think that way though. You know, you do. You, you really have to go along with it. I do know that you have to, you have to believe. Yeah. It's almost like a deep thought, but that, what the, what the guys that were doing out in goals was, more like a real positive affirmations. Like I'm, I'm going to have a great workout. I'm going to do this in my, in my behind and neck press. I'm going to, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm great. <laughs> and I was down there. I, we used to go down to that Mecca once in a while and do stuff. And yeah, uh, I saw the barbarian brothers down there. I saw Lyle Alzado. I saw all I kinds of that. You didn't have a little uh, smoke with the barbarian brothers. I didn't do any of that, no. But uh, I know somebody who did. That was <laughs> that was early '90s. So I mean, they were. Alleg I don't know if that was allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. You want to hear my Barbarian Brothers story? Yeah, do it, dude. I was a huge Barbarian Brothers fan. So I, <laughs> I was in tenth grade. Tenth grade. <laughs> And, you should, Jimmy, give a little background as to who these guys are, because okay, you assume sure. people know who they are. And they yes, and uh, David and Peter Paul. They were Rhode Island football players, and they loved to lift weights. So they moved out to California. They lifted in uh, flannel shirts and overalls. And their big thing was that, you know, they did uh, bodybuilding lifts with very, very heavy weight. And the, they were always saying they were going to. Oh, whoa, 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 wait! Now they 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 dress like uh, Homer and Jet Jethro off the Beverly yeah. Hillbillies, and they had the identical haircuts. And were they twins? They yeah, they were yeah. twins. So they had that that weird thing going, and they would always have like, uh, oh man, they were everything was was huge pounds, huge right, huge you know, pounds. Right? I saw them do four ninety five reverse grip bench. Eight. Yeah, I saw three fifteen for eight behind the neck, three sixty five for a single, hundred twenty not hundred twenty pound dumbbell curls. Um, you know, they they were. Strong. 
Yeah, they were they were strong guys, man. Now, you know, they didn't have a, you know they weren't big squatters and deadlift. They did rack deads. And when I walked into Golds to buy tickets, they they were coming. So Marty's gym at the time was <laughs> there was only one gym. JP it was Wheaton Golds. There was only one gym. Yeah. And it, the, to show how times have changed. There was one bike, and it was in the, the far corner, and it was like a blue and white scratched up little stationary bike. That was their cardio. But uh, nobody did it back then. So anyway, so they're like on the radio on a Grease Man show, which was DJ um, on DC 101. I remember that guy. He said, and I listen to him every day. He's like, the Barbarian Brothers are coming to seminar in uh, the convention center in DC. So you got to get it. You got to go to Gold's and Wheaton to get the tickets. <laughs> there was no internet. So I went there and they were there. And, and David was doing like uh, 750 on the rack dead, throwing the weight you know, on the racks. And they were like, hey, there's one right there. There's one. It was like going to a safari, you know? And, and, and Marty and Dan Pinkston were right around the corner. Yeah, and I didn't know Marty. Right. <laughs> and Marty, that was Marty's gym. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I took a bus. No, I think my parents dropped me off down in D.C. About, you know, 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And I went in there and here they come. They were filming D.C. Cab at the yep, time. That's right. And they had them roped off they had like a center section with all their weights and all this stuff. And uh, they did all those lifts. They said, uh, steroids are the greatest thing. I was a little kid now. Steroids are the greatest thing ever. I don't know why everybody doesn't take them. <laughs> he said, uh, <laughs> telling kids that. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> they didn't care about anything. They didn't care about anything. They kept talking about Keffer, uh, or Kiefer. Kiefer. Yeah. Yeah, kefir. That's all they drank. Kefir. Yeah. Oh, kefir milk. Yeah, yeah. Like a yogurt Co milk. Yeah, high, higher calories. Oh, God. tons of that. Um, tons of those big, huge Marty. You remember the big, huge amino acid pills? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those. They were just taking them the whole time. They were there drinking milk, kefir, yeah. all that stuff. And, and then uh, after, and they had these girls around them in these like little loincloth uh, <laughs> looking things. These two, <laughs> and so. They're like, all right, we're going to sign autograph pictures. Well, they didn't want to sign the posters that were free. You had to buy something. So, you know, I took out my seven bucks or whatever, bought a picture. And I, and they were like, hey, buddy, what's your name? And I was like, Jim. You know, I was all nervous. And he was like, dear Jim, you know, uh, the Barbarian Brothers. He misspelled Barbarian. <laughs> the Barbarian Brothers. Dear Jim, all the best. The, the hey, how old were you when this happened? You said nine? 10th grade. I was in 10th grade. So oh, 10th grade. Did you have all the tattoos back then? No, I had no, no, no tattoos. No, no tattoos yet? No, I was, uh, I was younger. <laughs> yeah. You want to hear yeah. mob? You want to hear mob barbarian story? Yes, yes. So they, uh, they were training at uh, Gold's for, I think, a week or 10 days because they were in town filming the whole time. Yeah. So uh, we got the No, and they're all right. Um, good guys. Strong guys. Genuinely strong guys. They were a little... When the cameras around, they had a completely different vibe. Right. But just training, which they did, and uh, you know, they got, they, hard. yeah, they were yeah. good, strong guys. And and you know, the one I can't remember the the big. I think there one of them was a little bit bigger. He said, "Yeah, right. he said I don't." He said, "I don't feel right if I don't bench press 500." And I was like, "Yeah, I believe it." I mean, you know, just legitimate strong guys now when the cameras around then they're they're doing the weird stuff and you know but that was just yeah just just showbiz stuff but they got into a tiff with the owner the owner was kind of a straight guy uh, whose name shall remain 
quite, but they got into a bit of a, you know, anyway. So make a long story short, on the last day that they were there, mysteriously, the, the Smith machine that the guy had just purchased got bent because yeah. someone was trying to do like strapped in rows with, I don't know, 900 on it. <laughs> so it had a big bow in the middle and it's like, adios, ta-ta from the Barium, the Barbarian Brothers. Barbarians. The Barbarians. <laughs> Brothers. Yeah. So yeah, that was the story. And then, but of course, the thing with them was is that they were always just about to compete Right. They just had to get a little more massive, and they were gigantic already compared to the midgets at the time. I mean, that's with the Chris Dickerson days, and this was pathetic bodybuilding back then. So, yeah, we were like, Yeah, take your clothes off and get out there and kick some ass. Never happened. Yeah, that's how Vic Richards was. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That guy was massive, and everybody, oh. I don't know that he ever competed. Maybe he did like early on or something. Yeah, he but won like the Mister Nigeria to get his like that. card, and that was it. Well, yeah, that was that. I tell you what, if we have Eddie Cohn on next week, ask Eddie because Eddie and Victor were big buddies. Really? They, oh yeah, they, used, they used, oh yeah, they used to walk around the Olympia together. Remember that? Remember that? Thanks. Okay, I'm yeah, making a note. We're gonna just, ask him. Oh yeah, Eddie knows all about. In fact, Eddie and but yeah, Eddie and me and Vic Richards, we had lunch together. Oh, the guy ate like a pot of rice. How big was he? Huge. Yeah, I like think Coleman, his. Like Coleman, I, what's that? Like Coleman, huge. Ah, uh, well, no, no, I didn't see Ronnie at his hugest. I don't think anybody was huger than Ronnie at his hugest, particularly his off-season hugeness. But Victor Richards was past anything anybody had seen back. I guess this is what the at the time the, he was the, just the nineties. I'm thinking phenomenal. Yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, and he would walk around the Arnold in like these skin tight pants and the skin tight shirt that left nothing to the imagination. I tell you, he reminded you a little bit of this modern guy, Kai Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. That kind of a physique. You know, uh, I don't know, five, ten, three hundred. Yeah. I think uh, I think Vic's uncle used to manage him or something because I remember when I, I worked at American Sports Network with Lou, his uncle, I would always hear his uncle uh, calling in and I think we were trying to get him on the the show or something and um, I don't know, but it's just like... Uh, well, he's you another know, in the guy. If you don't compete, man, you, get, you, can't, you lose your credibility. Who yeah, well, he was just kind of known as a freak back then. Well, I mean, it's like, Victor, come on, man. Get out on stage and show us. We're dying to see what you look like. You're a monster. How come he didn't compete? As a psychological issues. They're never good. So, so many of these bodybuilders to themselves, they're, they're underconfident overachievers. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they, they're never good enough for themselves. One more year. One more year. I got to yeah. add to my calves. Yeah. One more year. One more year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, JP. And then some, some catastrophic injury happens when they're doing, what whatever, 800 for reps in the hack squat or whatever or, or what did mentor get hurt with 80 pound flies right and one of them yeah. got away from him boom that's the end of his career so yeah and these guys come and go who was the other that monster guy that used to hang around with paul dillette uh, uh kovacs oh, yeah, great yeah. kovacs I yeah, one day. Never got, that was the hugest human i think i ever saw couldn't wipe his butt his wife had to wipe his butt for him I had to drive him. I had to pick him up at LAX one time. He gets off in a little polo shirt, and he was the biggest dude I ever saw in my life. Yeah. And uh, he's got these little tiny shorts on, this, this little tiny, like, Izod shirt. Just got to be an exhibitionist, don't they? 
and his back from the back was just the ma- most massive thing. But yeah, I had to drive him around to different shoots and he was massive at the time. He was, he was at least 300 pounds and he was, if I remember right, he was pretty tall too. He was yeah. like, he got a lot bigger than that. Or yeah, he got up to 400. He got up to 400. Yeah, he did at, uh, at one time. Dude, was we, should also, we should also mention he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he was telling me he lived on a, a farm or something in Canada and used to live there. I don't I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Again, another another guy that – well, he did actually compete at the Night of Champions, but that was a disaster. Oh, the big Sentinel thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, getting back to – we're kind of – we kind of ended up getting pretty far away from our topic about the mind yeah, and the bodybuilding. Can you give advice – let's close it with this. Can you give advice on how to – continually recalibrate the mind and get better and better at this as you go. Yes. Yes. There's a four part workout strategy that if you're serious about your progressive resistance training or your cardio, you can use this. And number one, you need to auto visualize and to do auto visualization correctly. You have to run the mental movie of yourself doing the lift over and over with each repeated viewing. You need to be more vivid, right? Each successive viewing needs to be more vivid in detail than its predecessor, okay? And you have to spin through all the mental movies within the workout, okay? So that's number one. Number two, and again, ideal time in the period immediately preceding the workout. If you're driving to the workout, that's a great time. You know, or if you're taking a metro or whatever, if you're walking, it's a great time. Once you're there, once you start the warm-ups, you got to chill. You got to go into that Zen chill mode that occurs before the all-out effort, and again immediately after the all-out effort. Okay, the Zen chill thing. So you can't shoot your adrenaline before you reach that top set and every fiber in your being wants to launch when you're like on your third warm-up, right? It's like, right? It's like, no, you got two more to go. So you, you have to preserve your precious nitrous oxide and, and for that top set. And as soon as that sets over, got to get into chill mode, which is difficult. It's easier said than done. Right, Jim? Yes. Right. Cause you know, gotta, I think that was, I think gotta, that was my mistake because I would always start getting fired up on the car ride over. I'd be blasting the music. You guys know what I'm talking about. And, and halfway through your workout, you're like, you've, um, your, your brain is just like shot. You're yeah. tired. You're mentally tired. And oh, you're a bad day. Cause you started too soon. So I agree with that, that, uh, that Zen state just going in that chill state. And, uh, and, then, and then you got to do it again. And then you blast it when you get to the gym and you're ready for your, your first set. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but you might have to work through squats and bench presses and overhead presses and whatever else, arms. Yeah. You, have, you know what I mean? I mean, it's got, you got to have you start repeated, half, repeated, repeated. Yeah, yeah. But if you start a half hour or an hour before your workout. <laughs> oh, you only, need, you, you, only need, you only need 15 minutes. Then you're like pre-fatiguing your, your brain. Yeah, there. it always has yeah. to be in the middle of your mind and then right before you go it comes to the front you know yeah yeah Yeah. and again you're getting yourself uh attuned right also what auto visualization does is it pushes extraneous thought out of your head you really do not need to be thinking about all the travails 
or the tragedies or all the great things that are going on in your life immediately before a hardcore workout. Would you use, would you ever use music during your yes. art visualization? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes it really can... helps you hone in on your I thoughts. I, I wouldn't do auto visualization without music. Okay. And coffee. And coffee. Well, I'll tell you this, and Yates had a good thing. So he would, ACDC was always leg day, or just an example. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. Did you hear that yeah. ACDC man? <laughs> turned into a, he turned into a robot. Yeah. And, you know, Pearl Jam was, you know, a back day, that kind of yes. thing. Yeah. He had the same one for each body. Hey, do, do you know what his uh, posing music was? What was it? Well, he would do, like, Dorian had this cool thing going where he would, he liked hanging out in the States. So after the Olympia, he would stay in the States with Bev and Steve up there. And I guess where they had Staten Island or someplace. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but he would, then he would go on a cross country posing routine in, uh, in concert with local bodybuilding shows. Like if you're putting on whatever the, uh, Grand Prix of Washington, DC, well, Dorian Yates would be the guest poser. Right. But he would mass him because he was off season. So now you're seeing the 300 pound Dorian, right? Yeah. Huge. Right. So his posing music was, um, uh, the great, nevermind, uh, the great, uh, oh, uh, Nirvana song, uh, smells like teen spirit, which was like two, two minutes and 31 seconds. Right. I, I looked it up and it's like two minutes and 31 seconds. That's not a lot for opposing guest fee. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. You're not... <laughs> then he'd sit out, then he'd sit out at the at a front table and he'd say you ten dollar get yeah, a picture of Dorian. One more though. Leave him one more. Oh my Can god. Can we not get him on the show? Can we not get him on the show? Can we I not... think I don't know. He's in Spain, so he's a, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'll reach out to him. I'll Set it up, Marty. That'd be cool. Yeah. Cool, that'd be killer, man. Be Ed Cobb, he would, he, and then Dorian Yates, come on. He would be good for uh, mind stuff, too. Dorian's very much into the, the whole uh, mental aspect. Also, in the, in the mind game, you have to have the long-term adherence, right? Which is also a mental trait, right? You, uh, so many guys, they peak, and then they quit, right? And it, yeah. it's, you have to have that kind of this long-term dogged adherence uh, which is a, a you know a learned mental trait, but you, again you have to work at it. It comes with time and years. And right. did you say uh, Dorian and, and Cohn were friends? Uh, no, not that much. Uh, I don't. You know they they see each other. I'm sure at the Olympia because I'm they both make that circuit. But no, they're not. Yeah. I once read an article on them that were, uh, for Muscle and Fitness where I described the commonalities between their the terrain and we had. I remember you talking about their backs. Uh, well, the fact that at the time, the greatest powerlifter in the world and the greatest bodybuilder in the world trained basically the same. The main difference being is that Dorian would do four stretch and Ed wouldn't. But their training menus were remarkably similar because Eddie kind of used a power bodybuilding approach and Dorian used kind of a powerlifting with four reps approach, right? So there was a couple of differences in the exercises, but uh, they, the way that they hit it was so remarkable. And they would, you know, they would hit the same kind of uh, movements, the same kind of really, really excellent range of motion, 
working the muscle through the full range of motion, bearing the weight. Um, but again, and both those guys were in the gym, they were ferocious, right? They're mentally, you know, you look yeah. at uh, blood and guts and Dorian and, and, um, I'll tell you another guy we should get on is the world's greatest training partner is, uh, Leroy's counterpart is Bob, Bobby Myers, who was Kirk's training partner for all those years. And that guy was incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, it, we're going to try to get Kirk on again too. Yeah, yeah. we got to get Kirk. Yeah, on. talk to Bob. Talk, get Kirk all set up. He's got to. Uh, he's got some technical issues we got to work through. But um, other than that, we haven't had him on. I don't know, year, year and a half, something like we'll, that. We'll get Darren from the basement to hook him up. You know, and he's doing really well right now, right, Marty? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of making – he's not making a comeback, but he's hes in a much better place than he was. Hey, well, we don't need that. We don't need to talk about all that. We just see Kirk's doing good. Yeah. yeah uh, he's we, doing good. I mean, he's Yeah, we haven't shape. seen him in a while. We haven't hey, seen him in a bit, so, you know, we're going to get back in touch with him on that. So. Yep. Let's talk about book. Talk about a book. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're done. You guys, you guys got more books from uh, – Last time we talked, man, you guys are – I got to find you guys something to do over there. Hey, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're the, professional writers, man. When I, when I read somebody I really like, I get in touch with them and tell them how much I like their books or article or it could be anything. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. I so I did this with this one guy, uh, Frank Bill, who's a, a pretty well-known writer. His books are in the bookstores and all, all this. And he had a movie that just came out, and he introduced me to another guy. Uh, who's a professor at App State and a very well-known writer, Mark Powell. And he sent me his not even proofed copy of this book he's working on called American Carnage. Mm. And it's wonderful, man. It's about a female fighter. And, uh, you know, there's, it's in the South, there's drugs, there's fighting, there's guns, there's all, it is, I'm into it, man. So American Carnage. You should sell it on e eBay. I should sell it. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Hey, hey, Marty, I've been a lot of guys reach out to you, right? Yeah, baby. Because of your different books, especially yeah, yeah. Purposeful Primitive and all that. So That's you're right. probably fielding a lot of different calls and emails. Yeah, well, I've got a $2,000 book, $2, book sitting right here in my hand, Clearing the Path to Victory. A self-guided <laughs> self mental training program for athletes. Alder Cobra, PhD. Let me just read you a couple of real quick, just to, just the some of the titles are you going to be lending that out by the way i'm selling it i'm selling it for you're three, selling it i'm selling it for three 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 thousand dollars the mentor stuff too three more reps is like yeah we'll autograph it yeah uh yeah self-study uh, here we go uh chapter one self-control requires self-study chapter two a four-step program for developing self-control good chapter three self-modified autogenic training which is really a suggestion. <clears throat> then individually tailored autogenic training. Olympic athletes share their experiences. Strategy for increasing your self-confidence. Uh-oh, here's one for you, JP. Autogenic training and self-hypnosis. Oh, That's exactly what I need. Now, this is written by the guy that invented uh, auto-suggestion right, in the Soviet Union. Yeah, this stuff was so top secret that there was a 10-year period where if you, as a coach, let the manual get away from you, you could get arrested by the KGB. Wow. Siberia. You sent to Siberia. It was top secret. 
they, they thought that they had the mental edge on the rest of the world. Everyone else is just, you know, running around in circles. And no kidding. the Soviets put, uh, and Kogler developed it initially for the, I think it was the Hungarian fencing team. Whoa. And then it broke out wider behind the Iron Curtain. And he ended up uh, either in Leipzig at the Leipzig Sports Institute or Moscow, the Moscow Institute of Sports. I can't remember which one, maybe both of them. And he formalized this stuff. And then they gave it to their elite coaches. You see, like you go back to the, the old 1980s, pull up a YouTube of Anatoly Pisarenko or, uh, or uh, you know, Yuri or Vardanian or any of those great guys. And what you'll see is they walk up to the barbell and their eyes are closed and they're just standing there. And everybody's going, what are they doing? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. What they're doing is they're doing their very last auto-suggestion technique before they open their eyes and hit it. Mm. Right. That at their very last, they're running that movie. Now that last movie there, it's so vivid that you're there kind of twitching a little bit. Yeah. Right. Now, boom, they open their eyes, time to turn <clears throat> internal visualization into external reality. It's deja vu all over again. Boom, here we go. And it's, again, do it right. And you're 2%, 5% better than, than you are as a normal person. So does Kogler go into this book and, and how he came up with auto-suggestion? Or does he have another book that, that talks about how this came about and how it was a secret and the whole story behind it? It's all right here, baby. So it's right in that book? 260 pages. Yours for two grand. Yeah. Oh, the, oh I'm sorry, three. No, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, but it was all laid out back in the day. And this, this is just sticking with uh, one aspect. Again, there was no berserker psych in, in his methodology. He would probably argue against it, saying that it would disturb disturb the, the yeah, 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 interesting. yeah, on the one hand, but it's a different it's not fencing. It's not right. Olympic okay. weightlifting. It's yeah. it's drag racing. It's powerlifting. It's Which, it's a short stroke. We only have to move a squat, a bench press, a deadlift. Right. Squat. One one to two feet in a straight line. It's a right straight as hard as you can. Man. Yeah. Does he does he talk about combining this with music? Does he say anything? No. I mean, no. They would. Uh, so there was no music. No they, psych. No, they, no nothing. They'd have you executed if they caught you listening to ACDC. Well, what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't think they were around back then. If a guy yeah, they were. Up, they were. Seventies. If a guy walked up to the bar and didn't close his eyes and do it, and then he missed, he'd be. In the <laughs> union, man, you know? Oh yeah, man. Those spot, those spot, those spots were coveted. They they would have a hundred guys waiting to take your slot. Yeah. Oh, I believe it, man. Because that was a job, and you were representing the country. You were treated great. Uh, and if you didn't, if if you weren't in the top ten, you were back in the coal mine. Yeah, man. So it, it was it was a real deal back then. So again, it was totally different. But again, I think the point being is that how do you improve the quality of the workout session? You improve the quality of the workout session by recalibrating your own mindset both before during and then realizing the bliss that comes from it afterwards and and being open to that and, and we actually look to expand that and and open that that post-workout bliss state up right yeah so anyway that's the whole that's the whole enchilada from soup to nut yeah it sucks. All right.
Good deal, guys. We'll end it with this. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Also pick up uh, Marty's book, Purposeful Primitive and Strong Medicine at Iron Company. And um, if anybody hasn't noticed, the industry is a little little light on fitness equipment these days. Everybody's out of stock. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of manufacturers that we deal with. Uh, and so on and so forth. Bumper plates, you know, are, are a hot commodity. Uh, bars, kettlebells, uh, just all kinds of stuff that nobody can seem to get. We've got many containers on the way that, um, that have the rubber hex, the kettlebells, bumper plates, urethane dumbbells, Olympic bars, weight benches. So you can pre-order. So go to ironcompany.com, place your order now, get in line. I'm serious because even a lot of the uh, the replen- replenishment supply is spoken for. So get in line and get your stuff. Um, we've got new Jim Steele articles. They can be found on our articles section at Iron Company. What is it? The latest one is get 1% better every day. It, it, it goes because, you know, the quarantine and maybe you let yourself go. Maybe you lost a little motivation getting you back into it using the Kaizen method just to sort of just do a little bit, build on that, build on your successes you know, instead of, I was looking at that this morning. I I like that article. I like your approach because it uh, takes the intimidation out of no pressure, the the goals that we set. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Get out of your pajamas. (laughs) Right. And your website, Bass Barbell, that's with one S, B-A-S, barbell.com. Yeah. uh, For different training, motivation, programs, anything new going on over there? I just wrote an article about how I despise my high school coach because this has given me a lot of time to think. Wow. <laughs> you know, what an influence he could have had on all of us. Rob, That's man. missed wow. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, all right. Well, so we'll check that out. Uh, and, now, uh, now re- real quick before we sign off, we've uh, yeah. got a couple of personal training slots have come open. Anybody that wants to do some serious remote coaching, Get in touch with me. We are working right now with a bunch of folks worldwide, all levels. Um, If you're motivated, you know, and if you've got realistic goals, get in touch with us because we can can get you there looking over your shoulder, showing you where the pitfalls and the landmines are ahead of time. Uh, we do this every yeah. day of the week at all levels. It doesn't matter if you have the motivation and the situation. Contact us, please. Yeah, yeah. And look, these guys are a little rough around the edges, sure, hey. but they know what they're talking about. So, whoa, 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 whoa. You're starting to sound like my wife. All right, listen. And by the way, next week uh, we have a special guest, Mr. Ed Cohn, coming on. Oh, yeah. He and I know where all the bodies are buried. That's right. So that'll be good. All right, guys. Good one. Talk to you next week. Bye.